a good move. Why'd you dance him? Dancing is forbidden. Yoo-hoo, running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden, an Aqua Teen Hunger Force exploration. I am Ronnie, and on this podcast, I am watching through and talking about every Aqua Teen episode, one episode at a time. And the episode we are watching through and talking about this week is Season 3, Episode 7, Robo-Sitter. Robo-Sitter, how old are you? Are you legal? Shake. Get lost. Like, you never thought of it. I didn't. Yeah, right. Robo-Sitter premiering September 12th, 2004. And this is one I definitely saw back in the day. And I think it was probably 2005 because these season three episodes re-aired in 2005. And looking at the timeline, it made more sense that I saw this then. Because the reason I'm telling you this is because I remember watching it on television my first time ever seeing it. And as a little boy, kind of comparing it in my head to the episodes I was familiar with, which was season one and two. And at the time, I remember not liking this one as much. I thought it was an okay episode, but I wasn't crazy about it. So I'm excited because I haven't seen this episode since then. So I'm excited to see if my you know 12-year-old thoughts, if they, if they hold up or if they were dog shit, like so many of my thoughts were back then. Besides the fact that I haven't seen this episode since 2005, which as of this recording is almost 20 years ago, I'm excited to dig into the voice actors here, or should I say actresses, because we have Sarah Silverman and Ashley Ward, two ladies showing up on this episode, something that you know, Aqua Teen, well, it's never gotten up until this point. I don't think we've ever had two female voice actresses at once in one episode. But yeah, we just have a, a woman character here that is different than just being a uh, prostitute character like we've basically seen both other times. But to this episode's plot points, we will see the Aqua Teens get pushed out of their comfort zone, out of their own little Aqua Teen world, consisting of their house and Carl's house, Shake and Frylock, they got to go get jobs, so it'll be fun to see that and, and, and see how they deal with that. The downside is, is that they don't actually interact with any real humans. They talk about them, you know, they work at the mall, but we don't actually see them interact. But we still do get to see them doing something very different than we are used to seeing them do. But before we can talk about all that, you know, we've got some other stuff to talk about. First up, our Aqua Teen news this week, and this one I bring you with a heavy heart because I can't go to it. Over in Santa Fe, New Mexico, they are doing a colon movie film for theater screening on April 7th, and Dave Willis, Dana Snyder, and Jay Wade Edwards are going to be there for some sort of Q&A. And I would have loved to have gone, but I didn't see anything about this until Dave tweeted it. Not that long ago as of this recording, so it was just too last minute. It was right on the brink of like, ah, oh, can I go? Can I not go? But if you can go to that, definitely I would suggest that it sounds like a great time. I mean, I never got to see Colin movie film for theaters in theaters, so this would have been so cool. So hopefully they do more of these. I'm really hoping that uh, you know other theaters try and put things like this together for the Colin movie film or even for Plantasm. That would be fun as well to watch in a movie theater context. But I'm seeing here there are still general admission tickets for $15 available, so if you're in the area, check it out. Link to that, of course, in the show notes. Moving on to podcast news. 
I was asked by Dan the man to partake in his Adult Swim April Fools video that he did where he went through and basically documented all of the Adult Swim April Fools pranks they have done over the years and he ranks them too which which is fun to see but yeah I was asked and of course I did the 2007 prank which was the Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters prank when they said that they were going to air the film in its entirety on Adult Swim before it was in theaters of course they kind of did that but but it was in a tiny little box at the bottom of, of the screen. So definitely check that video out, not just for my part, but also Dan just did a great job. And there's also Zero Omens and BH Ultra on it, who uh, I've, I've been featured on videos with those guys in the past. Dan goes through and pulls footage of like each individual prank. So you can see, for example, for the colon movie film airing, there were flames all over the screen and Aqua Teen characters cutting in with you're watching the Aqua Teen movie, but they'd be showing all of this over Family Guys. So it'd be kind of Aqua Teen invading Adult Swim, which is really cool to see. So I would also suggest looking at it just to check that out. But I actually, I was able to get an exclusive comment from Dave Willis about this prank, just kind of getting his thoughts on it. And I talk about that in the video. So definitely check the link in the show notes. If you want, you can just skip to my little part if you just want to learn about that prank. But really, the whole video is great. I think Dan did a great job putting it together. Check it out. Link again in the show notes. Moving on to our community stuff, we have a lot of stuff here up top in the front because last month we only did one deep dive, so there's a lot of news and, and such that really piled up here, so apologies for how long that this segment goes on. It's longer than usual, but it's important stuff. Spotify has added, like, basically comments, in a way, to their platform for podcasts, and the way it's set up is basically a, a Q&A. So it automatically posts with, with every one of these episodes, like, what did you think of this episode, which is the default thing. I think it's fine. I'm not changing it, at least not right now. And so feel free there to comment if you, you know, what do you think about the Aqua Teen episode or if there's something you want to respond to from the podcast episode. I'd love to see anything you have to say there. I know a lot of you listen on Spotify, so check that out. And making use of this feature, we have Kalani coming in. You know Kalani. We've talked about him on the podcast before. And he came in saying in the Little Brittle episode pertaining to Master Shake reclining because in that episode Master Shake reclines and I'm like oh is this the first time Master Shake has reclined Kalani comes in saying I think he reclines in Universal Remonster and Kalani is 100% correct I cannot believe I didn't remember that that's like a part of the episode when the Universal Remonster can make their chair recline for for Shake and I remember in that episode, I think I pointed out like, hey, it's never reclined before. I guess he's giving it like new functions. So Kalani is 100% correct there. So thank you, Kalani, for that. Please disregard my comment in the little brittle episode. And speaking of Universal Remonster, I have a story I want to tell you really quickly. So somebody was on Twitter asking for a Spring Break Cancun shirt which if you're unfamiliar, if you don't remember, in the Universal Remonster episode, the Plutonians made that shirt that said Spring Break Cancun with the Universal Remonster on it, but also the Powerpuff Girl with the mohawk in the wheelchair. So somebody was asking for that. And I remembered over on Reddit once that somebody uploaded a high quality PDF of that art. They went back and retraced it and uploaded it saying, hey, if anybody wants to make a shirt with this, here you go. So I took that and I, I made a shirt with it and I linked this guy to the shirt Unfortunately, it didn't work out because the shirt got hit for copyright, not because of Aqua Teen Hunger Force, but because of Powerpuff Girls. It got caught. They thought that I was trying to sell a Powerpuff Girls shirt, but they didn't see the mohawk and the wheelchair. Unfortunately, in 2023, this defense 
no longer holds up. It's pretty sad. I just honestly couldn't believe it. I'm like, all right, hit it for Aqua Teen copyright. Sure, it makes sense. It's from the show. No complaints here, but it literally said Powerpuff Girls is why it got taken down. I just, it's just, you can't make this stuff up. It's, it's, it's almost too good to be true. Last but not least, you heard me a little while ago. I was talking about how supporter of the show Ian, aka Speed Beats, he was on a trip to Japan. I have asked him to track down the rare Aquatine hentai. I really need it. I need it very badly. Ian, straight from Japan. He sent us a voice message. Let's give it a listen. Hey, Ronnie, how's it going? This is Ian, a.k.a. Speed Beats, longtime listener, first-time caller, yada, yada, yada. So look, man, I'm over here in Japan. I'm working. I'm going to parties. I'm spending way too much money on CDs I don't even need. Now you want me to try and find this so-called rare Aqua Teen hentai? <sighs> Tell you what. I've heard of this thing. I've never seen it. I don't even know if it actually exists, but... I do have a friend here who's like the number one Adult Swim fan in Japan. So I'll check with them, see what they know, see if they got any leads I can follow up on. And I'll get back to you next week. But uh, don't hold your breath, man. Sound good? All right, dude. Take it easy. I got to go catch my train. See you on the flip side. Ian, I am so incredibly grateful that you are taking on this important task for me. Domo origato gozaimasu. If you don't speak Japanese, I just told Ian... Thank you very much. I appreciate you looking for the hentai for me. I appreciate you as a fellow boy and as a fellow human being. And I really wish you good health. Also, thank you for supporting the podcast. So that's the rough translation of what I said to Ian in Japanese. And I'm very excited. I hope that this, this Adult Swim fan that he knows, I hope they know something about this hentai. My marriage is depending on it. So thank you, Ian. Please, if, if you find anything, any whiff of this sacred art, please just let me know. If you want to follow Ian's quest for the rare Aquatine hentai in real time, you can find him on Twitter at SpeedBeats with a Z. Link to that in the show notes. But all right, that is it for our news, our information, blah, blah, blah this week. Longer than usual. But you know what? More people are being born every single day. There's always more and more to talk about. But you know what? Let's take a step back because this new world is too scary. Let's take a step back and see what was going on the week that RoboSitter premiered. Making its way this week all the way from the small screen to the big screen, we have Resident Evil Apocalypse top in the box office bringing in $23 million this week. And the ratings on this one, not so hot, as you would expect from a video game turned movie franchise, right? We have a 6.1 out of 10 on IMDb, 19% on Rotten Tomatoes, nothing to write home about. Although I guess what movie is to write home about? Who's writing home to their parents about a movie they saw. Dear mother, this winter has been very harsh. The rations are running low. Also, I saw Midsommar and it was very good. Please write back your son, Ronnie. I mean, that's not happening. So I can't really blame this film for that. Nobody's writing home to their parents about a movie. But being the top of the box office, it's no easy feat. The highest I've ever gotten to on the box office was third place. So uh, kudos to them. I love this little fact that I read that the the lead actress, Mila Jovovich, she was disappointed by the movie. She said that the studio wanted more action and explosion and that the story aspect of it was all kind of swept under the rug, which I feel like is the case with a lot of these video game turned movie situations where 
like in in the game the action is great because you're actually doing it it's maybe not as exciting to see on a film but more so in the game there is a story element that you are enjoying and that you are invested in and they try and overcompensate for the lack of you controlling the action in the in the story by just throwing action in your face and cutting out the story kind of missing the point of why the games were popular the games were popular because of a good story and also you controlled the action so can't really blame this film that always kind of kind of happens but again top of the box office and here's a real uh fact of the time for you the trailer for this film was one of the most watched on the internet with 8.5 million downloads from november 2003 to may 2004 who the hell was downloading trailers i don't maybe you did i don't know i wasn't doing it i was probably downloading like pictures of the band corn and and aqua teen artwork and things like that but i guess hey people were downloading trailers this was one of them people loved it there's no shared cast or crew between resident evil apocalypse and aqua teen hunger force how unfortunate we do have some television shows to talk about first up we have the show joey we were just talking about friends in a previous episode because friends had ended in 2004 well now joey is debuting of course, not as popular as Friends, but it does go on for two seasons and has over 40 episodes. Joey does share some cast and crew with Aqua Teen. We have Bob Odenkirk, who of course is in the Aqua Teen episode Hypnogerm, but he's all over Tim and Eric Awesome Show. Great job. He was on Space Ghost and just an idol of a lot of the guys who work on Aqua Teen. Bob pops up on Joey. And then we also have Steve Sharippa, who goes on to appear in the episode Bookie and She Creature. He was in Joey as well and then we have two children's shows debuting which i definitely watched at the time we had ned's declassified school survival guide which was a show i liked a lot back as a kid uh, it was kind of cool because in that show they would try and give you actual tips that you could make use of as a kid to you know get through school a little bit better i thought that was cool uh, in that show we have a shared actor between aqua Teen. we have seth green who showed up in the dressing in that space ghost clip at the beginning of the dressing but you know seth green goes on later in our aqua teen timeline to co-create robot chicken so i mean yeah you know who seth green is. he was in he's in family guy too he's chris and family guy so ned's declassified debuted this past week in our aqua teen timeline and also the show unfabulous which starred emma roberts i don't remember as much of this show i know i watched it and liked it but i could not tell you why uh, I don't know if it still holds up or what. And and I've read that Emma Roberts is a pretty difficult person to work with. I don't know if that's true, but I remember being disappointed when I read it. <laughs> you know, because I'm going to have to work with her someday, obviously. So that is it for our film television news. Let's give a little listen to our top album this week. I went skydiving, I went Rocky Mountain climbing, I went 2.7 said someday i hope you get the chance to live like you were dying this week topping the charts of the billboard top 200 we have live like you were dying by tim mcgraw selling over 766,000 units these country albums man they're, they're usually not on the charts but when they do pop up it's always some very high number very impressive for one week 
The song I played was the titular Live Like You Were Dying from the album, which is considered to be one of the best songs off the album. It's a song that means a lot to me because growing up, I've mentioned that my dad was in a, a country cover band, and this is one of the songs that they would do. So it instantly brings me kind of back to that time hearing this. Of course, I haven't really heard it since. It's not like I would listen to this outside of seeing my dad play music or anything like that. But yeah, so it's kind of nice to listen back to this one. I'm seeing on RateYourMusic.com, which is a website where you know users can rate things on a scale of 1 to 5. This album has a 3.5 out of 5, which is very middle of the road. And this is kind of in the middle of, of Tim McGraw's records in terms of the ratings. This album is over an hour long. Who's got time for that? That is so long. Some of the other titles on this album, we have Drugs or Jesus. Do You Want Fries with that? Nice little maybe Aqua Teen reference. A song called Kill Myself. A song called Everybody Hates Me, and a song called Walk Like a Man. So I'm actually kind of interested to check this whole album out, although I think I probably like these titles more than I would like the songs themselves. So I'll leave it there. But yes, topping the album charts, we have Tim McGraw with Live Like You Were Dying. Let's listen to our top single this week. Our top single this week is Goodies by Sierra featuring Petey Pablo. And just seeing the title on this one and also the name Sierra, I was like, I don't know if I've heard this one, but I definitely have. I've, I recognize the beat over anything else. Uh, produced by Lil Jon. So this is this is an Atlanta thing, man. This is uh, There's something in the water at the time. Atlanta was just pumping out quality television with Adult Swim, but also these quality hip hop tracks. I went back and listened to this one. And I really liked it. It's kind of a cool, like, building up over the course of the track. It starts off very sparse and minimalistic, and then more elements are added as it goes on, which you don't really see in pop music a lot. And what's very cool about this is this is Sierra's first single, and this is off of her debut album. So right out the gate, she's hitting it hard. She is, uh, you know, just blowing up, kind of like this podcast, my first my first episode got over 7 million downloads in one week, and I got 12 sponsorships. And that's why I live in my mansion now. So I can really relate to Sierra here. You love to see it happen. I guess this song was written in response to Usher's Yeah. Not really sure how, but that's uh, that's what I read. So that is our top track this week, Goodies by Sierra. And then our top alternative track is the same as it has been. It is Numb by Linkin Park. So can't be mad about it. It's a good song. So let's jump on to our video games now. What do we have blowing up this week? And let me tell you, blowing up, it is happening over on Burnout 3 Takedown, which comes out this week, which is considered one of the best racing games of all time. But you weren't just racing in this game, you were also slamming into people and trying to explode them into the wall. And this something of a new thing of the time, I take it, because I can imagine that programming the computer for this was pretty difficult to try and get them to ram into you and react to that. Typical kind of racing games, I, I assume it's easier to make them just try and go in a circle the best they can, while this game, a major part of it was the takedowns, they were called, hence the title, where you are slammed into each other. So lots of love for this game. 
Another game that came out in North America is Pokemon Fire Red and Leaf Green, which if you know anything about me, I was definitely into these at the time. These came out September 9th in North America, and four days later was my birthday, so I suspect I probably got it then on the 13th. I definitely remember the day I got this game, and in case you're unfamiliar, Fire Red and Leaf Green are remakes of the original Pokemon games, Red and Green, it was called in Japan. So they remade these eight years later because the technology had evolved so much. So essentially, they remade the game in the Ruby and Sapphire engine, which was the game that came out the previous year. We've talked about it on the podcast. And also, technologically speaking, these games were bundled with a wireless adapter. Ooh, wow. What that allowed you to do was to play with other people, like battle them or trade with them without actually having to use a physical link cable, which was a huge novelty at the time. Nowadays, every wireless system has this built in, so it's not even anything you think about. But at the time, it was cool. I think I only probably used it maybe once because it's not like any of my friends even played Pokemon and more so, it's not like I really had friends I hung out with outside of school anyways. But it was a cool thing to have. It was it was a cool novelty of the time. I'm not the biggest fan of these games. I think this kind of world of Pokemon games is a little boring. I think they went on to do more interesting things. For example, in Ruby and Sapphire. So these were never my favorite, but I definitely remember playing this growing up, having a blast with it, even if it wasn't my favorite. And also, I remember in fifth grade, which is the grade I would have been in at this time, seeing advertisements for this game in the, in the hallways, like in the school, there were posters and stuff, which I always thought was awesome because I love Pokemon. But in retrospect, it's kind of weird, kind of shady for them to have advertisements <laughs> in the school. I can only imagine what kind of capitalist hell students are dealing with these days. Although even in high school, I don't remember anything like that whatsoever, so... Who knows how that happened, but that was definitely a thing at the middle school I went to. Principal probably getting a kickback to put this, put this poster up so that we would bug our parents to buy us this game. All right, it is September 12th, 2004. You don't really care about seeing Resident Evil Apocalypse in the theater because going to the theater to see some action movie doesn't really appeal to you. But you are watching Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide, picking up some hot tips on how to get through school. You're listening to Tim McGraw's Live Like You Were Dying at your dad's concert thing because that's just whatever song his band is playing. You have no say in it. If it were up to you, they'd be playing some Corn and Limp Biscuit songs. Also, you're really excited to get the new Pokemon Fire Red, even though you just played Pokemon Red a few years ago. But this time around, you know how to actually read, so it'll be a much smoother experience. You gotta wait a few days, though, because it's not quite your birthday. That's right, you are me, back in September 12th, 2004. Well, if you weren't at your dad's concert that night, what would you have seen if you could flick on Adult Swim? I'll tell you what you would have seen. And let me say, if it was a Sunday night, that I, I wouldn't have actually been at my dad's concert, because that would have been like a school night. All right, we're just going to blow through these because this segment uh, has gone on really long. Let's just hit them up. I mean, you know the shows we're going to see. It's the same lineup we've been getting every week now. We have Family Guy at 11 p.m. with Let's Go to the Hop. We have Harvey Birdman with Dead o Mutt Part 1 at 11.30. 11.45 brings us C-Lab 2021, Neptune Naughty. Midnight, we get Aqua Teen Hunger Force with Robo Sitter, the episode we are discussing today, and as usual, our only new episode this night, Aqua Teen carrying it all 
on its back. But for Aqua Teen, it's no big deal because it's the best show ever. At 12.15 a.m., you get the Brack Show with Coma. At 12.30 a.m., you get the Venture Bros with Ghosts of Sargasso. At 1 a.m., you're getting the Oblongs with Pickles Lil Amazons. And at 1.30 a.m., you're getting Home Movies with Brendan Gets Rabies. So that is our Adult Swim lineup this week. Let's jump in and see what the heck Robo Sitter is all about. This episode of Dancing is Forbidden is brought to you as all episodes before it by the wonderful Rootin' and Tootin' Moonmasters over at patreon.com slash dancing is forbidden, chipping in $1 a month five dollars a month even ten dollars a month that they painstakingly earned at slurp a lunch and donating his slurp a lunch paycheck this week signing on we have anthony at the duffel bag of cash level and i'm telling you right now anthony from his picture he looks like a cool dude and also he looks like somebody that could kick your ass so if i hear even one peep of displeasure about this podcast now admittedly i have never heard a a single negative thing but it's gonna stay that way because if i start to hear negative things i'm telling anthony and he's gonna beat the shit out of you that's a promise anthony i hope you are enjoying all of the episodes over there at the patreon all sorts of fun stuff of course we just dove into radon which is a lot of fun and it even prompted jay wade edwards to post a, a bunch of information on, on twitter afterwards about it so that was incredibly cool just to help all that info come out to light of course there's all sorts of exclusive info in that episode hope you like it also as an upcoming reward for patrons this year i'm going to start doing monthly watch parties for the moon masters and we will watch all sorts of aqua teen adult swim stuff it's going to be fun i'll hit you with those details very soon and of course that includes the one dollar moon masters as well so keep an eye out thank you anthony again for signing up and if you're sitting here listening saying hey i don't work at slurp a lunch i can't afford to support this podcast on patreon what can i do to help Let me tell you, you can just tell somebody about it. I don't care who it is. Doesn't matter to me. I don't discriminate. I think it'd be awesome if you did that. Except don't tell the people in charge at Warner Media because they'll sue my ass. Coming up next, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. RoboSitter premiering September 12th, 2004 with a TV 14DL rating for suggestive dialogue and language. It makes sense to me. Off the top of my head, we have the situation with Meatwad taking pills, which maybe isn't appropriate for children. And then we also have the robo-sitter towards the end of the episode dressing up a little scandalously. I think uh, Shake was a fan of that. Playing the robo-sitter here, we have Sarah Silverman. And then playing her friend Sheila, we have Ashley Ward. As always, I'll get into them uh, once they pop up in the episode. So again, this one, Shake and Frylock are getting jobs. I'm excited to see it. Let's jump in. Of course, we are not covering Space Kataz here. That will be over on the Patreon. So, okay, let's jump in here. What do we got? We open in on Shake. He is in the kitchen. I love when they're in the kitchen anytime they're in there because we don't go in there a lot. 
And Shake's in the kitchen, and we see the refrigerator's open, and of course there's barely anything on the inside that we can see. And Shake is rummaging through the the cabinets and the cupboards, just looking for something to eat. He's looking for his steakums, and he's kind of just throwing cups out behind. He's just ripping everything out of the, the cupboards here, looking for anything to eat. And I like it because he throws some knives out, like a, a chef's knife and a, and a butcher knife, and both of them seemingly have blood on them. Like, he pulled them out of the cabinet, and they had blood on them already. But he's looking for something to eat. Again, he's looking for steakums. So steakums are these very, very incredibly thinly sliced pieces of beef, and they're very quick to cook. You cook them for like maybe two minutes tops, if that, and you just cook them on the stove top. The idea being you end up with these kind of crispy, thinly sliced pieces of beef that you put on a sandwich, probably throw some cheese on there. Mm -mm -mm. I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. If anybody works at Steakums, let me know. I think I could probably pop a sponsorship. So this is very much a food I could see the Aqua Teens subsisting themselves on because it's, it's very easy to make, very quick to make. They don't have the patience to make something big. I mean, maybe Frylock does, but Shake definitely does not. And turns out Frylock ate the last of the Steakums and they're out of food and they don't get their government check for more food until later in the week. So Frylock in the meantime is trying to pawn the TV. So Shake will come out of the kitchen after he makes a huge mess and kind of uh, take the TV out of Frylock's hands. Like, no, you can't get rid of this. And it's important to note here that pawning it would mean basically you take it to the pawn store, they give you money, and then you come back later and give them the money back plus some interest and you get your TV back. So it's not like, like Frylock is trying to sell the TV. They would just be without it for like the rest of the week until they got their check. So it's not the end of the world, but I guess when you're Shake, it is. Would someone please tell me where the steakums are? I ate the last one for breakfast. That's great! Over breakfast, you don't say! Wow, that's wonderful! So, uh, what in the hell am I supposed to eat now? Nothing. You just have to hold on until I can pawn this TV for some food money. Whoa, 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 whoa! Hold it! No way! We are fed by the government! And you know that! Look, Shake, we're gonna have to get jobs. What, are you nuts? What about that big fat welfare check we get every month? It doesn't come until next Thursday. Now, either I pawn this TV, or we're not gonna have money for food. So, I have to cut off here, because this scene goes on kind of long. I want to mention the great physical comedy the way that that shake runs up he grabs the tv out of frylock's hands and then he kind of pushes frylock back towards the end of that clip because frylock wants to grab the tv again and i'm realizing now it's funny that shake is looking through the cabinets for steakums because i think you freeze these when you're not you know cooking them so why would they be in the cabinets but i don't know why i'm questioning uh, shake's thought processes at this point i should know better so I've definitely been in this situation i grew up on on food stamps at certain points in my life so i know what it's like to have to wait till the end of the month to get more food. Let me tell you, once once it came, though, it was it was the glory days because then you you got whatever you wanted to eat. Now, luckily, I've never been in a position in my life where there was literally zero food to eat, but I can empathize maybe a little bit with the Aqua Teens here, especially I remember the government shut down in like 2013 for two weeks, maybe. And if you were on food stamps, like if you were supposed to get renewed at that time, it just didn't happen. So that definitely affected me and my family then. So a part of me, again, feels bad for these guys. Although, I mean, I think uh, if it comes down to eating or watching TV, I think you could pawn the TV and then just just buy it back. However, I will say a difference here between my family and the Aquatine family is we're about to see in our next clip now the frivolous shit that Shake does spend their money on. 
he bought a t-shirt cannon and then he had, I assume, hundreds of Aqua Teen Hunger Force t-shirts made, which my family never did. We never had a t-shirt cannon. We weren't so lucky, but Shake does. And we're actually going to get a reference this season to them having been detectives. So Shake's going to be like, I don't understand. Like, we're detectives. We have jobs. I, and then he says, I've been firing these shirts all over the neighborhood. And then we, we pan outside to where we see their house. And there's just <laughs> there's T-shirts littered all over the ground. I mean, if you don't know what a T-shirt cannon is, it's pretty self-explanatory. It literally shoots T-shirts out. They would use these at sporting events and stuff. So the idea that they would have one of these just in their home is hilarious. So we will see that. Then eventually we cut back to inside from outside. We see Shake is now wearing one of the shirts. And then towards the end of the clip, he will threaten Frylock with the t-shirt cannon, kind of pointing it at him uh, because he does not want Frylock to pawn the TV. Now either I pawn this TV or we're not going to have money for food. Oh, we're detectives, remember? Remember I made the t-shirts? I brought the t-shirt cannon, remember? <laughs> I've been firing t-shirts all over the neighborhood. They were detectives. Now we're going to look like fools. We haven't detected anything in three years, Shake. Well, I detect anger in your voice. Now pay me. I need to eat. I need some steak. <laughs> okay, so sorry. He wasn't pointing it at Frylock to drop the TV. He just wanted Frylock to pay him. So I love the whininess in Dana Snyder's voice. I have to replay it. It's all over the neighborhood. They were detectives. Now we're going to look like fools. That's incredible. I love me some whiny Shake. So I counted outside because this is the kind of exclusive content that you are tuning in for. I counted 48 shirts littered throughout. That is not counting the pile of shirts, of course, in the house or the shirts that Shake does fire out or the one that he is later wearing. But there's 48 littered outside. And there's even one kind of clipping through their house. So it looks like whoever put that down was maybe in a rush. Uh, it does not look realistic. It's just kind of floating there, it looks like. But... To discuss the shirt cannon really quickly, there's little flames on the barrel, which I love. It's a nice touch. It's exactly what you would expect from Aqua Teen. And the shirt that Shake is wearing says Aqua Teen Investigation. And then there's text underneath that's pretty small. Now, I've seen a variation of this shirt that says we're detectives, so quit asking. But that's not what this one that Shake is wearing says. But I can make out the word, I think it says Investigations... And then also bikini. And then after that, I can't see just because of the angle of the shirt. But we see a little shake on the front and he is holding a magnifying glass. He's wearing kind of like a PI outfit, like a, a suit, a, a kind of a tan suit. And then he's inspecting a bra. He's holding up a pink bra looking at it. So those are the t-shirts that Shake made. It's supposed to represent all the Aqua Teens, but it's just Shake and he's looking at a bra. So he's upset at the very notion of Frylock suggesting they're not really detectives anymore because Shake invested so much into this advertising strategy, I guess, which involves, you know, littering their home with, with shirts. Also, their window, I guess, is just perpetually broken because he just fires right out it. He doesn't open the window or anything. He doesn't open the door and, and shoot it out the door. He's just blasting out the window. Why not? I can kind of empathize with Shake on this aspect because I bought an ass load of podcast stickers with the podcast artwork on it. So now it's like, well, I'm locked in. I can't change it. I have to just stick with it and use these stickers. For example, listener and supporter of the show, Sam Haynes, sent me just some beautiful alternative logos and things like that. And I'm like, well, those are great. But first of all, I can't afford to pay you right now. Second of all, I already have a million stickers that I have to, <laughs> I have to use before I could ever consider changing the logo. So it is what it is. I totally get Shake's anger in respects to the merch he bought being antiquated. 
Back to our scene, though, Shaky is pointing the t-shirt launcher at Frylock because he wants Frylock to pay him. And then Meatwad is going to roll into the room and defuse the situation by becoming the target of Shake's anger. Shake is going to hit Meatwad with the t-shirt launcher, breaking it in half. Good morning. I'll have me two stations. You're about to learn the value of a hard day's night because you need to get out there and start working on a job. That'd be a violation of child labor laws. Well, he is right. He's too young. Uh, besides, there are sanitation issues. That's right. This hand been up my butt, but I touch your food all day long with it. Uh, your congressman will know about how bullcrap this is so it is infinitely hilarious to me that basically up until this point in the episode we resolved the steakum situation and then meatwad rolls in the room saying i'll have me two steakums like he's just kind of starting the whole thing back over again it's so funny after that we get a beatles reference from shake saying that meatwad's about to get the value of a hard day's night it's been a My initial impression was, well, it's Shake. He's probably referencing the Beatles film by the same name because he watches so much TV. But I mean, what he's saying is in line with the song. The song is about just, you know, working hard and making money. And that's that's what he's trying to impose on Meatwad. He wants Meatwad to go get a job. And the film, to my knowledge, really has nothing to do with that. It's more just about the Beatles. I haven't seen that film. I've only seen Yellow Submarine. And I can tell you this reference probably isn't coming from Dana. This was probably in the script because I've heard Dana say that it's well documented that he prefers older music. And to Dana, the Beatles is pretty new. Like that's too new for him. That's where he draws the line. So Dana, he's listening to stuff uh, well before the Beatles. That's, that's his jam. So I think this probably came from Matt and Dave. Although, I mean, it's not crazy to think that Dana would know this song and, uh, and maybe come up with this reference. Who knows? But it's fun because after that we get into, well, Meatwad can't work. That violates child labor laws. So here we are again speculating on Meatwad's age. At this point, it's pretty established, uh, at least in this episode, of course, it's always changing, that Meatwad is a child, even though... Of course, we kind of know from the film that, that they were all created at the same time. But, you know, we get that here and there, like Spirit Journey Formation Anniversary. We've definitely gotten a few Meatwad birthday episodes. And, and here's just another little nod to his age, which is fun. But more importantly, because, look, I live in Minnesota and there was some meat plant here or something that got busted. They had underage kids working there when they weren't supposed to. Age means nothing in the United States, and there are, are certain politicians who are really trying to, to drive that home, that age means not anybody should be able to work. That's not what's important. What's important here is that Meatwad is unsanitary and disgusting. He's a rotting ball of meat, and he touches his own butt, and then he will happily touch your food. And this is what I found so shocking working at a restaurant. There's no oversight. Yes, you know, the restaurant has to pass certain tests, but there's not like some government official standing there all the time. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's crazy to me how much, how much faith we put in other people pertaining to our food. And now that's not to say that I did anything unsanitary. I always was sanitary while working at a restaurant. But my first day on the job, the boss was like, all right, start making this. And it's like, you saw I haven't even washed my hands yet. Like, ch chill out for a second, buddy. I don't know. It's crazy to me. So Meatwad, we definitely don't want near our food because he proudly proclaims that he touches his butt 
and then he touches your food. Shake doesn't like that Meatwad can't work, so now Frylock is going to present an ultimatum to Shake. Shake, either I pawn this TV or we get a job. All right. Well, just plug that in and let me think about it. That's when I do some of my best thinking that's been done with the TV on. So plug it in. Just put the two prongs in the hole. I don't watch it. I just need the background. So I had to actually go frame by frame to see what happened there. Now, of course, if you're not watching it, you have no idea. But you did hear an explosion. I assumed that Frylock shot some, some fireballs out at Shake. But that's not what happened. He threw the TV at Shake, but it goes by so fast that unless you go frame by frame, you won't really see what happened. But yes, it, that was Frylock throwing the TV at Shake. He's so fed up that Shake's just like, all right, now plug the TV in so I can watch it and think about this. Of course, Shake just wants to watch TV and ignore this entire situation. Although I don't know how long he could ignore his hunger for. But it's funny because you would assume if the TV is exploding, it's broken. So Frylock kind of left them. Frylock made the decision for them in a way. It's like, all right, well, we have to get jobs now because there's no TV to pawn. And of course, there's a bit of like an asterisk on all this if we're actually going to get nitty gritty with it. Surely Frylock has some inventions that he could sell, at least for the parts that they are made of. Or pawn, rather, uh, as opposed to the TV. And I can't even imagine this TV would go for that much if they did pawn it. I mean, realistically, how much would the pawn shop offer for this? Like, 30 bucks, maybe? That's not enough to, to last them. For, I mean, maybe it is. I guess they could buy, like, rice and stuff. I don't know. Of course, anytime we, we try and hyperanalyze Aqua Teen, it's never going to be a good time. So let's keep on moving with this episode. Get ready, because we're going to the mall, baby. The Powerpuff Mall, the same mall that we went to in Rabot. And we are getting a new entry here in terms of stores in the mall. Now, of course, in Rabat, we went to the clothing store. We also went to the electronics store in Mayhem of the Moon and Nights. This time around, we are at Slurpa Lunch, which is like a, an exterior-facing restaurant at the mall that you can just walk up to and get some food. And the food they are serving at the Slurpa Lunch is they are just grinding meat down, and then you can drink it. That's it. What the hell is this? I told you, fireman, astronaut, race car driver, maybe <laughs> bikini judge. And this is what I get? Food service? Are you kidding me? This is third world, and I'm from the first. I'm number one, baby. I'm amazed that they even hired you. No one else will do it. They're taking that chance. And then, if something goes down, which it will, I will sue the corporate office <laughs> so badly. So I'm going to cut in here. So yes, we're at the Slurper Lunch. Again, it's like a, an outside facing, or it's, it's inside, but it's not like its own store that you would go into. You can just walk up to it while you're browsing around in the mall. So there's a lot of signs up here. So let's dive into some of those. First of all, we have the titular Slurper Lunch logo up at the top of the kind of kiosk, I guess we can call it, although it's not really a kiosk. It says Slurper Lunch in pink, and then there are two pink kind of pigs with their tails are straws, like they're crazy straws, which is very clever, very funny. And the whole aesthetic here is this kind of pink and light pink color. It looks really nice. But of course, on the inside, there is just raw meat left out everywhere, which is incredibly unsanitary. There is a sign that is in Spanish, and I assume this was going to be a joke, but it's not. It just says all employees, please wash your hands, essentially. And it's funny, because right underneath that, though, there's a big chunk of meat in the sink. So it's like, all right, that's not ideal. But it's funny because it's just in Spanish. Usually these signs are in English with Spanish underneath. But this one, again, just in Spanish. And then we have the menu. And the menu, we have four main items here. We have beef, 
we have chickwid, which is, you know, chicken, but liquid, brought thirst, and then ham. So I like that some of these titles are like punny, they're, they're a little fun, and the other two are just beef and ham. But uh, underneath that, there's like different sizings and options, and it's the same for all of them. It is small, medium, large, extra meat, smoke flavor, and pitcher. So you can just get like a whole pitcher of, of your uh, ground blended meat and drink that. And then underneath that, it says, ask about franchise opportunities. So that's really all the, the visual things to point out. Otherwise, there's like a giant machine that they put the meat into that then uh, compresses the meat essentially into liquid. And then it pours out the side into a cup. As you would expect, the boys are wearing some uniforms. It's nice to see them in a uniform here. Again, it's like pink attire. They have hats to say slurp a lunch. Shake's hat is way bigger than Frylock's. It's always funny when they have to put clothing on Shake. It just always is huge. Otherwise, they have these kind of pink suits on and then their bow ties look like meat, basically. So that's some of the visuals going on here. And you heard Shake is not happy about this. He's like, oh, I, I would be a race car driver, uh, a bikini inspector. I think you said something like that. Uh, he wants to do all these other things. And this is one of the few things that he won't do. But unfortunately, this is one of the few things that he is qualified for. But Shake's not having it because in that last clip, he just basically jumped over the counter and is like, I'm not doing this. Frylock is going to call Shake out on this, though, because he needs Shake's help. They're about to get a lunch rush. And then Frylock will kind of show how the establishment works. And we see, of course, a lot of familiar assets in terms of the meats. Uh, we see like the raw chicken we always see. We see similar cuts of, of beef and things that we've seen on the show before. And Shake will start drinking a pitcher of chickweed. And eventually he will throw it up. And this, of course, being the same throw up animation that we saw in Unremarkable Voyage. So they're getting their mileage. Look, Shake, we're about to get the lunch crowd. So help me liquefy this pork roast. Disgusting. That's what we do here? Yeah, see, you just put this roast on that press. God, no. And then... You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> you don't pull out the bone? No, there's a lot of calcium in that. You you didn't read the orientation booklet? All I read are the zeros on my paycheck. <laughs> Look, okay, I'll do this. Why don't you go and give out free shots of that ham? That was ham in that picture? No, that was fried chickweed. Who freaking thought of this place? So it's not very often at all on this show that Shake is being the voice of reason. Frylock is just playing into this and just buying it up because I guess he knows they don't really have a choice. They have to do this to make money so that they could eat. Although, really, I guess what they could have done is just stolen this meat and eaten it at home, and then they wouldn't have to work. But he's trying to do it on the up and up, and he is trying to convince Shake to go along with this crazy-ass thing, all in the name of capitalism. To comment on the puke really quickly, because I'm sure you're wondering about that, it is not the green throw-up that we saw in Unremarkable Voyage. This time, it is the same color as the chickweed that Shake was drinking, which is like a brown color. I'm surprised that he seemingly was drinking this and was fine with it because he took a drink and then was talking for a while, then kept drinking more. And it was once he found out what it was that he got sick. So I guess it doesn't taste that bad if he was able to, to drink it down the first few times without being sickened by it. But it's fun to watch the animation of them trying to do some liquid simulation here in a way of, of this liquid kind of going down. It's not something they do on the show a lot, but I guess the job done, they just kind of stretch the uh, texture as it moves around. And I'm just surprised again about Frylock here because he's really trying to work with Shake. He's like, all right, I'll do this part that you don't want to do and you can go give out samples, figuring that's easier, it's less gross, and maybe, you know, Shake would want to walk around the mall and talk to people. Although, one, I would not trust Shake to actually do that. I guess if he's standing out right in front of this, the restaurant, 
Frylock can keep his eye on him. But more so, I'd be afraid of Shake scaring people away or being rude or harassing people. But again, Frylock here is really trying to make this work. So at this point, you might be wondering, where's Meatwad? Well, that's what we're about to see. We cut to Carl's house, and at this point, Shake and Frylock are done with work. So they're going to appear in, in Carl's house. But before then, we see Carl. He is sitting at his chair with his pants and underpants, presumably, pulled down around his ankles. So he's sitting there with his hairy legs out, drinking the beer, watching the flat screen, and he is watching women doing yoga or Pilates or something along those lines. So this is incredibly depraved and gross. To me, it's it's infinitely weirder than if he was just watching porn. Now, of course, they couldn't show porn on the network, but I mean, this to me is so incredibly strange that he is he is getting aroused to this. So Frylock and Shake are going to come in asking about Meatwad. Turns out that Carl was supposed to be watching him, but he is not watching Meatwad. Something else worth mentioning is that they brought Carl a drink, and then at some point, Shake will just drop it on the ground. Of course, one of those nasty-ass drinks that they make at their work. I'm surprised they brought him anything. Maybe that's uh, what they were paying him with. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. She is it. You are it, baby. <laughs> Shake them buns. Hey, Carl, we're home. We brought you back some brat thirst. Get it? Brat thirst? You gotta drink the sausage. Yeah, I'm watching my show, so... Uh, I tell you what, set it over there in the trash. So how was me wide today, Carl? <laughs> no, I don't know. Well, well, what do you mean? Did he get in any trouble? Did he break something? I don't know. Well, you were watching him, weren't you? Yeah, I watched him help himself to the medicine cabinet. <laughs> One down, two to go! <laughs> what? I got things to do here. I got all day to jack around. I mean, I do that. I make time for it. <laughs> but uh, I got schedules. Meatwad! So that is Frylock running out of Carl's house to go after Meatwad. And I was wrong. Shake didn't drop the cup. He literally poured it on Carl's carpet when he said to put it in the trash. Now, Carl's lines here are not really connected to what he's watching on the screen. I assume that they just wanted some sort of provocative image and maybe they found it funnier to put women doing yoga because it makes no sense that that's what he is uh, excitedly watching. But maybe they tried to put something more provocative on the screen and they weren't able to because of S&P. I'm not really sure there. But Carl says one down, two to go because Meatwad is presumed dead because he was helping himself to the medicine cabinet, of course. So again, Frylock runs after him. Shake is going to pretend to go with Frylock, but then he's going to turn around and sit down next to Carl. Don't tell me he's dead! Please, no! <laughs> hey, your welfare check come in yet? Payment will be received upon discovery of the body. You know the contract. So here we see that Shake paid Carl, or he's, he promises to pay Carl, to not watch Meatwad so that Meatwad will kill himself and then Shake will be rid of him. Visually, there seems to be some sort of error when Shake is looking out Carl's door at Frylock running away, or of course floating away, but the door is left open and there's like this weird green line uh, by the doorway. It's hard to describe, but if you're watching the episode, check that out. I don't really know why that would be. And also visually, it's funny because when Shake goes to sit next to Carl, there's just magically a leather chair next to Carl ready for Shake to sit in that wasn't there previously. And it's weird that Shake would even want to sit next to Carl, considering he's sitting there with no pants on watching women uh, doing exercise. Shake also, when he sits down, he has a beer can and he just squeezes it and it explodes everywhere. That's uh, something that you heard in that clip. 
Speaking of which, the music here is composed by Danny Pelfrey and Rick Rhodes. The track is called Take Me from the album Body Heat Volume 1. Of course, this being a production music disc, not really meant to uh, be bought by normal consumers to listen to. Uh, Thanks, of course, to Video Killed the Radio Star for that link in the show notes if you want to check this song out. So we're cutting back to the Aqua Teen's house now, and Frylock is coming into the living room. At this point, he's following a trail of pills that are just leading him to Meatwad, or should I say the all-being formerly known as Meatwad, because we get into the kitchen where Meatwad is hanging out. Again, I'm glad they included the kitchen a lot in this episode. And we see Meatwad, he is holding a bottle of pills, and of course, again, there, there are pills leading up to him. But he's in a new form. We see Meatwad in a new shape. Finally, he is a sunflower. That is the shape he has taken when he's popping pills, I guess. He's in his happy place. This being a sunflower, including the pot, too. And then he will kind of have have a bad trip because he'll see Frylock, who is in this just deranged-looking art style. It's a completely different art style than the show. In fact, because I had not seen this episode in so long, I'm not afraid to admit it. I didn't realize this image was actually from the show. I thought this was like fan art or from a di- or even from a different episode. I didn't know they did this so early in the show's run. This just very strange internet style art style. It's almost like AI art in a way. It looks it's very interesting looking. So definitely check that out if you get the chance. But Meatwad will see that. He'll he'll then have a bad trip. He will get scared and then he will jump into the freezer in the refrigerator and close the door to hide from Frylock, aka the Bullfrog King. Meatwad, you in here? Meatwad! I'm Harmony. Need some good jellybeans, man. <laughs> Meatwad, put those down. No one is here by that now. You speaking to the Albion, formerly known as Meatwad. Let me see your eyes. Are your pupils dilated? Will I still handle his messages? Let me see. Stick out your tongue. Let me see it. Join me, brother. You're not supposed to be able to open these. You don't want to open the mind? Open the doors of perception. Meatwad, look at me. Meatwad, look at me. Huh? <laughs> you come here to kill me. Bullfrog kill! Meatwad. So that is Shake coming into the scene. I want to say at the beginning of that clip, we hear a door open and... Frylock is coming in. Well, actually, if you watch the episode, the door is already open. So they play the door opening sound effect, but the door was already open when Frylock came in. So kind of interesting there. We see the medicine cabinet is in the kitchen closet, I guess this would be, or maybe it's supposed to be a pantry. I'm not really sure. Usually there's a broom in there, but yeah, that's where it's located this time. And I feel like we've seen it in there before. So that's supposed to be where uh, Meatwad's grabbing up into. Because again, they're so back and forth on if they have a bathroom or not that it makes sense for the sake of the show and for the sake of, you know, they don't actually have a bathroom asset that they would just put it here in the kitchen. Again, I just feel like that art style of Frylock is so kind of forward thinking for its time. Now, surely there was other stuff looking like this. But I'm just, again, surprised to see this in a 2004 episode. It seemed much more contemporary than that. So moving on now, you heard Shake was coming into the scene. So he's going to come in and he's going to pull out a bullhorn. He's going to say he knows how to deal with this and take out this bullhorn and start yelling at Meatwad with it. Meatwad, at this point, uh, we see the freezer door open. He's back to his normal Meatwad shape as opposed to being the flower shape. And then after that, Shake will start to duct tape the refrigerator closed. 
Just step back, please. The dogs are making him paranoid. He could leap out at you at any minute. I know how to deal with it. But you... I know you're on drugs. You are in big trouble. I'm calling the police right now. Look, we can't leave him alone here anymore. That's why I'm taping the fridge shut. We'll know exactly where he is at all times. In the fridge. He's got food in there. He'll be fine. What? I guess we need some sort of sitter. I'll be here. I'm sick. I will be sick tomorrow. <laughs> I love that. I will be sick tomorrow. Shake already dreading his his next work day. I want to talk about that bullhorn very quickly that Shake was yelling into. It's very much of a different art style than the show. And, you know, of course they've done that on the show before, but it really gives me like season one vibes, early season one. In particular, I'm thinking of in Escape from Leprocopolis, Shake is holding this microphone that's like a very cartoony style, kind of like a clip art style. And this bullhorn is very much that same way. This bullhorn isn't really like a 3D looking asset. It's very uh, just, yeah, two dimensional looking. Kind of surprising to see that here at this point in season three. I wonder what the reason uh, for that being is since, for example, in this very same clip, we have Shake pull out some duct tape and that is very much of the typical 3D Aqua Teen style. But great to hear Shake. He's just yelling at, at me with a bullhorn right in his face. Like, I know you're on drugs. I'm sure Shake here being upset that Carl didn't actually end up getting Meatwad killed. Fun to see Meatwad high. Of course, we've seen him drunk on the show. A part of me wishes that they would have played with it more. It seems almost like that scene was so short, uh, which I understand why for the point of the plot. But also it's like, dang, it would have been funnier to see Meatwad be tripping out for a little bit longer. So after that, again, Shake is trying to get out of work preemptively, saying he's going to be sick, which I'm sure is an excuse we've all used at some point. We are going to get a Schoolie D cut now. What is being said there? Your guess is as good as mine. I can make out, wait a minute, is we on, man, at the end? But otherwise, up until that point, it's all just kind of gibberish and sound effects. And the copy I have on my computer... There, when I when I put on the subtitle, it doesn't even try and guess what they're saying. On HBO Max, it says, yeah, don't do this, idiot. Wait a minute, is we on, man? So I don't think he's saying at all, yeah, don't do this, idiot. Uh, I think that that was just that person's best guess to try and put something down. So your guess is as good as mine. But the point of that is that we are getting a time cut here. It is now presumably the next day. And we have Shake actually sitting in the green chair playing some video games on Meatwad's like Atari system or whatever it's supposed to be. But Frylock comes into the room and he is wearing his work attire. He's ready to go to work. And he's not pleased that Shake is sitting here playing video games. A visual thing I gotta leave you with is basically Frylock will kind of hit Shake out of the chair. And then Shake, like the controller will fly out of his hand, hitting the wall. That'll explode. And then the console will explode for some reason. And then we will see the wire going from the console to the TV that will kind of light up like a, a, a fuse or, or, or a wick or something like that. And that will explode the TV. So we're getting three explosions here for absolutely no reason. Where are you going? Costume party? To work. <laughs> Where's your uniform? I proved the point, okay? I did it. I worked. What are you gonna do? Sell out to the man? Well, I'll be here, keeping it real. Well, you keep it real with your vest button today, buddy. Cause Ken is coming by, and I want to win that rain poncho. Whoa! Okay, all right, but what, what, just think what about me, why? You'll be here all alone! In the crisper. <laughs> oh, I've solved that problem. So Frolic has solved that problem. Before we get to it, though, I want to mention the refrigerator is still duct taped up and Meatwad is still in there. Poor guy. I, I honestly can't believe that Frylock left him in there. It doesn't really make sense, but maybe the idea is Meatwad was still high, so they didn't want him to hurt himself. Although he didn't seem to be about to hurt himself previously. I don't know. 
But yeah, Meatwad's still in there. And to get into uniforms here, luckily working night shift at my job, our dress code isn't as strict. In fact, they got incredibly lax with it to the point to where people would just come to work in pajamas and stuff because it's like, well, we don't see any customers, so why not? However, they had to crack down a little bit because I guess there was an incident with a customer in the store after hours and AP, like security, didn't know because the employees also were just wearing, you know, street clothes. So there was no way to know. Of, of course, again, I work at Target, so you're supposed to wear like a red shirt, basically. I mean, that's really it. It's not a super strict dress code. In fact, some people even push to the very limit the notion of what red is. Luckily, though, your boy, I picked up. They had some free shirts out with Target branding on it. So I snagged those. Don't gotta buy no red shirts. Ha ha. So jumping back to our episode, Frylock is gonna go get Meatwad out of the freezer. And Meatwad at this point, he's just blue. And then Frylock accidentally drops him and Meatwad shatters on the ground. However, he does come back, like he forms back together and then he's back to his normal look again. Obviously, they're not gonna dwell on these altered states of the characters. And this isn't going to be a long clip because that's going to happen. And then afterwards, Frylock is going to introduce the Robo-Sitter. And the Robo-Sitter is just a hastily put together looking kind of robot. And in fact, this is surprisingly hastily put together. You know, uh, the last one of the last things we did on the podcast was talk to Bob Pettit, who was the art director on the show. And something him and I got into was the fact that Frylock's inventions were always high tech looking. They were always futuristic looking. That's not the case here, and we don't see this super often, and it's a little surprising because, yeah, this looks like something that Shaker Meatwad would try and make, not something that Frylock would make. You would expect Frylock to make an actual robot. I mean, look at the titanium body that he made in Total Recarl that they were going to put Carl's head on. I mean, that is more in line with what you would suspect Frylock would make. Not really something like this. Now, maybe it's because they've admitted they have no money right now. They can't afford food, so Frylock, I guess... It would make sense he couldn't buy nicer materials to make something. So that checks out. Maybe that's why. But yeah, this thing is like, it looks like a water heater or something put on a board with some wheels. And it has kind of these like cylinders duct taped on. It's supposed to be boobs because it's supposed to be a woman. And then it has these kind of uh, tubing things for arms and then very pointy fingers. They're, they're made out of blades or something. Not very safe for a child. Uh, you okay, Meatwad? Mm. Yeah, I'm just depressed. Aww. Plus, I got some freezer burn back here. Well, I tell you what, this should cheer you up. I made you this robot, and she's gonna be fun to play with and keep your little ass in line. <laughs> Meet Robo Sitter. Robo Sitter? Wow, that's original. Will you please <laughs> once think outside of the friggin' box? <laughs> Robo Sitter? Yeah. Hey, what was the name of that movie where the guy's a robot, and then the dog's a robot, and I had Lance Henderson? Yeah, what is that one? <laughs> well, that's a good one. Use that name. Yeah, use that name. There's a very interesting sound effect that we get when Meatwad reforms. It's almost video game-like and not something that we really hear on this show. So, again, an interesting decision there. But then we get the robo-sitter pushed in, the dramatic sting... And then Shake starts giving him crap. I really like this one part where Meatwad's kind of trying to cut in with his thoughts about the movie with Lance Henriksen. Friggin' box? Where was Robo sitter? Yeah. Hey, what was the name of that movie where the guy's a robot and then the dog's a robot? So I like that Meatwad's trying to cut in there. I wonder if maybe Dave flubbed his take and then the editors just decided to stick that in and, and have Shake kind of cut him off 
Uh, I really like the flow of that. But more so, I don't know what Meatwad is saying. I can't tell if he's saying, and the dog was a robot, or and the doll was a robot. According to HBO Max subtitles, it's doll. Same with the copy I have, it says doll. But when I first listened, I thought it was dog. Either way, I looked into both of these. Lance Henriksen is in a film called Man's Best Friend from 1993 about a dog, but to my understanding, there's no actual robots in that film. The dog is genetically engineered, and I think that the like Lance Henriksen plays a scientist or something. I don't think there. I, I even went to YouTube. The whole film is on YouTube, and I wa I scrubbed through it, and I never saw any kind of robot visuals. So I think he might be saying doll, but when I looked that up, I didn't find anything. Lance Henriksen was in the film Aliens, where he is a robot. Maybe that's what they're referencing. Not really sure uh, what the idea is here, but uh, Shake seems to agree, as he typically does. He agrees with Meatwad about the film and that they should call the Robo-Sitter that, even though they never actually say the name of what it should be called. Anyways, in our next clip, Robo-Sitter is going to turn on because Frylock was back there fiddling around and uh booting her up and she is voiced by sarah silverman we'll talk more about her on the other side but in the meantime shake is going to be kind of interested in robo sitter and then he's going to end up cutting his finger on her metallic kind of dagger fingers and his finger will just be spraying blood all over the house but he's pretty nonchalant about it robo sitter what is your prime directive to ensure the safety and comfort of meatwad she is pretty hot robo sitter <laughs> How old are you? Are you legal? <laughs> Shake. Get lost. Like you never thought of it. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, right. Robo-sitter, what are the rules? In bed by seven. No sweets. Robo-sitter, what will you be wearing to bed? Come on, Shake. <laughs> what? Throw a bag over those wheels and I'd do it. We'll be home after Shot. eight. Directives will be achieved. You have nothing to worry about. So Shake leaving this huge blood streak as he walks away. He's not in his uniform, by the way. Uh, maybe there's another one for him at work he can change into. But again, that was Sarah Silverman there playing a very kind of subdued, uh, obedient robot voice, which will change very quickly once the adults are out of the house. Up until this point, Sarah Silverman, she had been on Saturday Night Live, which in itself is an insane accomplishment. She was on an episode of Seinfeld. But more importantly, she was on Mr. Show with Bob and David, of course, Bob Odenkirk and David Cross. You know David Cross as being Happy Time Harry, and he'll pop up again on Aqua Teen. And again, like I said at the beginning of this podcast episode, the guys who worked on Aqua Teen loved that show, so it makes sense they would want to get her on, especially to being a Saturday Night Live alumni. But this is actually not Sarah's first time on Adult Swim. She was in Saddle Rash, which I know that we've talked a little bit about in a much earlier podcast episode. So that was a pilot for Adult Swim uh, made by basically the Dr. Katz home movies people, uh, Sans Brendan Small. It was it was with uh, Lauren Bouchard. And they made that pilot with, with uh, H. John Benjamin, Mitch Hedberg, Todd Berry, uh, but it never took off. It just got the one pilot and that was it. And Sarah Silverman was in that as well. And then of course, after that, she's in School of Rock. We've talked about that on the podcast a little bit. And then she does this episode, and from there, Sarah goes on to get like her own show on Comedy Central, the Sarah Silverman program. She did some Simpsons episodes, and she is a regular now on Bob's Burgers. So uh, no stranger to animation at this point. And it's worth saying, too, that Sarah, besides being an actress, she is a writer. She wrote on Saturday Night Live and, and her own show and a bunch of other shows. And she's a stand-up comedian. 
So that's a little bit about Sarah Silverman. Let's see her kind of uh, flip the script here and not just be this straight character and show her true colors as robo-sitter because again, Frylock and Shake left for work. Now she's all alone with the little kid. Where's your phone? You can call Candyland, but this one talked to Gumdrop Lou. <laughs> you need a calling card. Made of candy. You are in big trouble. I want the real phone and I want it now or I will tear your soul apart! <laughs> The rage of hell will feast upon you, and I'll make it happen! So, some visual stuff there. Meatwad holds up his little toy phone for Robo Sitter. She hits it out of his hand, and then she eventually shoves her spiky hand into Meatwad and throws him against the wall, just whips him against the wall, and that's why he's all upset, saying he's gonna tell, but she's like, who are you gonna tell? And also, if you tell, then you're gonna be punished. So, some great acting there by Sarah Silverman. I forgot to mention, too, in 2005... She did an episode of Tom Goes to the Mayor, another Adult Swim show that will be launching later this year in 2004 on Adult Swim. Poor little Meatwad, though. I mean, we're so used to Shake beating up on him, but then when you see somebody else hurting Meatwad, it's very sad. He's defenseless. He can't do anything about it. I never really had babysitters growing up, so uh, maybe you have a story similar to this. I don't know. But if anybody were to watch us, it would be like our grandma or somebody like that. It wouldn't be some random hired gun coming in. I have babysat, though, and I am much nicer than Robo Sitter, and I'm putting that on the record. In the next clip, Robo Sitter, she's going to find the actual phone, and she'll start talking on it right away, but you'll hear that we, you just hear a dial tone. She didn't actually call anybody. It appears that Frylock, he he accidentally programmed her to be kind of like a snotty teenager, but also with these crazy homicidal tendencies. But she'll be talking on the phone uh, to nobody. She even says, you will not believe what I think I did today uh, when she picks up the phone. And during this, Meatwad, he is trying to open a bottle of pills right in front of her. And eventually she's like, oh, I'll help you. She throws them out the window. And then Meatwad, I guess, jumps out the window to, to get them. And then she gets angry that Meatwad broke a window, even though, you know, in a previous scene, Shake had broken the windows anyways. But she gets mad that that he broke a window. So her hand will turn into like this spinning blade contraption. And the scene will end with Robo Sitter chasing Meatwad around the yard. Hey, Sheila, you would not believe what I think I did today. I was like at the mall and you know who was there? Derek. Grody Derek. What did I tell you about the hounds of hell, you retarded mutant? You can have a pill. Here, let me help you open them. Go see if they're open. Okay. Someone broke a window that needs a spanking. Oh my god. All right, so her eyes also light up red. I was wrong. Meatwad doesn't jump out of the window. It appears like she throws him out the window to get the pills, but then she punishes him for breaking the window. So again, poor Meatwad here. He's just getting abused by this psychopath. We're going to cut to slurp a lunch now. We have Frylock in his uniform sweeping up, and then Shake is going to come. He doesn't have his uniform on. He actually turned his uniform, uh, he, he slurpified it. Now you can drink it. He has it in a cup, and he's going to hand that to Frylock. He announces he's quitting, but Frylock, he doesn't really like this information. See, Frylock is trying to impress the district manager. Frylock wants to win this exclusive Slurp-A-Lunch rain poncho, but then <laughs> Shake presents a cup that also is yellow this time, and it has the poncho. He, he Slurpified that as well. Hey, I just whipped this up fresh. 
Try it, it's on me. What is it? It's uh my vest, my tie, and my <laughs> name tag. You drink what I wear. Shake, have you cleaned out those bone traps yet? No. Are you out of your mind? I'm going to the arcade. Stop fooling around, will you? Now, where's the change drawer? Nuh-uh, uh-uh, Shake. I'm the only one allowed to work the register. Then I'll just have to see if they will accept ham. This is my severance. You can't quit, Shake. But I got Pac-Man fever. <laughs> Feel my head. Look, Shake, Ken's gonna be here today. Yeah, and Ken, you know... I know, the district manager. I'm gonna do whatever Ken tells me to do. I quit. Whoa, 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 Shake. Wait, 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 wait. Ken says if we sell a dozen drinks, they'll give us a Slurper Lunch Rain Poncho, complete with logo. Oh, yeah? Yeah, well, drink this. What is it? It's the Slurp Lunch Rain Poncho, complete with logo. <laughs> I got it when I kicked in the door to the prize cage. <laughs> I'm gone, brother. Well, wait a minute, Shake. Shake is gone. He's out of here. And interestingly, there is a glitch here. When Shake is walking away, he's missing his left hand for some reason. It's just gone as he waddles himself away. Something I want to mention about the background here is a lot of the meat is in different locations. For I think the only meat we really see are two hams on the counter now. So like the previous meat in the, the hand washing area is gone. A lot of the meat's gone. So interesting. They played around with it there. The look and textures of these cups that Shake is presenting to Frylock is very interesting. I have to wonder how Bob Pettit went about making these because it's all this shredded material. It seems so time-consuming to, to make this, so I wonder how he did that. Frylock here being a goody two-shoes, he really wants to impress the district manager. And to me, of course, put aside the fact that these are talking food products, it's almost dehumanizing when Shake's like, yeah, I kicked in the the door to the prize cage. Just the idea of a prize cage, and that's what Frylock is really lusting after, is something from the prize cage. It's just awful to me, and, and so sad. This episode, again, getting into this kind of uh, nihilistic capitalism in a way. It's like, oh, I gotta work hard and impress the boss, so maybe I could get this, this prize from the cage. Please, give it to me. I mean, I don't blame Frylock. Like, when I started my Target job, I was definitely, like, a team player. Like, oh, yeah, I gotta do everything to, to impress the higher-ups. But you quickly learn that it's not worth it. It's just not. Basically, it, uh, whatever you do going above and beyond, they just begin to expect from you constantly, as opposed to rewarding that. Your reward is basically more work, and uh, they'll try and give you these stupid incentives, and it's, it's just never worth it. So, Shake here, I think he's onto something. He's actually in some instances, the most sane person in this episode. Now, that's not to say to be a shitty employee like Shake and just walking off, but I feel like you got to find the balance here, especially when you're trying to impress higher-ups and then they themselves get promoted or they, you know, go to a different position elsewhere and then you don't see them ever again. So, like, every single backbreaking thing you did for them to uh, get some brownie points was worthless because as soon as they get the opportunity, they're fucking out of there. Especially when it comes to this kind of shitty job that Frylock is working. He's not really working an important job. It's it's a, a food place at the mall. Now, not to knock anybody who has that job, of course. It's not like I'm fucking sitting pretty uh, with my Target job, but... He really needs to put things into perspective here, especially because the idea is they're just working here until they get their government check next. But if you are wondering if I've gotten anything from the Target prize cage, I have. Uh, I think this was a few years ago. I think I won it because during COVID, they were doing raffles for like if you uh, showed up to work, basically, you got entered into a raffle and uh, I won and I picked out a little Target puppy dog and it's in my car as we speak. 
So Shake did what we all wish we could do. He just booked it. He's like, I'm done. I quit. He walked away. And now Frylock is going to get distracted because Robo Sitter, she's going to be at the mall. But she looks a little different now. Now she is wearing a pink thong. She has on a blue cami top that's like stretched over her fake cylinder boobs. She is wearing a blonde wig and she has makeup on. So Frylock's going to come talk to her and he's really not going to be pleased about all of this. Hey, Robo Sitter. What are you doing wearing a thong? All prime directives have been achieved by 4 o'clock. I said 8 o'clock. Um, well, <laughs> robots work twice as fast as humans, so I altered the time-space barrier to <laughs> whatever. I did it. Are you calling me a liar? Well, no. I just wanted you to stay until 8. Whatever. What? Whatever. Why you? You look like a little tramp in that <laughs> belly shirt. Okay, I want to say here, and we will see this going forward, I've never considered myself to really be a Sarah Silverman fan. Like, I've seen her other stuff. I think she's all right. Uh, I've never been, like, a huge, you know, fan of her work, though. But I really like her in this episode. I think she fits in perfectly with the Aqua Teen world. Most times, guests come on. And it's like, all right, I know who that is. I get what they're doing. And, and the guest will usually... A lot of times, it's comedians, and they'll just kind of stay within their persona. But even when she's kind of doing that here, I think just her timing and, and just everything, I think she really fits well in Aqua Teen. And I wish she would have really came back for more. I wish that they would have been able to have her be in somewhat of a regular role. Maybe not as Robo Sitter, but just her timing and I don't know, everything about her and, and just the way that she plays certain things up, I think really fits the show in a great way that we don't see a lot from other guests. But speaking of other guests, we're about to get our next guest voice actor in this episode. We have Ashley Ward. And if that sounds familiar to you, if that name does, it's because we've talked about Ashley on this podcast back in The Clowning. Her sister Hayden Ward played Carl's girlfriend in that episode. Well, Ashley Ward is, again, her sister. Ashley is the sister who went to college in Missouri with Dana Snyder. So it's because of Ashley that Dana and Hayden met, and it's because of Hayden and Ashley as well, of course, that that Dana got involved in Aqua Teen. So this, the, the voice you're going to hear, you have to thank for Dana Snyder being an Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And I'll tell you more about Ashley on the other side of the clip. But Ashley is going to be playing the character Sheila, who is a robot that the robo-sitter built so that she would have a friend because... If you'll recall, in a previous clip, Robo Sitter picked up the phone and was talking to a Sheila. Well, she went and built Sheila. Sheila seems to be built out of a garbage can, and she's wearing a, a green thong, and she has kind of a, a blue bob-cut wig on. Her eyes are basically a car stereo, I guess, and her arms are maybe uh, like coat hangers, and then her bottom, like her legs are basically made out of a speaker. I know, it doesn't make any sense, but you kind of got to see it to to know what I'm getting at here. So that is Sheila. Let's jump in. Come on, Sheila, let's blow. Sheila? Um, I built her, she's my friend, and you have no right to talk to her that way. <laughs> I'll talk to her mother then. Her mother lets her do whatever she wants because she's divorced and she gets full custody. <laughs> Wait a minute, I thought she said you built her. Adoy, I built her mother and father and then I made them get divorced. Well, Sheila, does your mother know My brother know that says it's pathetic that you work at Slurp Lunch. <laughs> I am assistant manager. So, Frylock, he's already gotten a promotion, so good for him. Or maybe he was hired on as an assistant manager. Not really sure here, but good for Frylock at least. But it's very sad that Sheila is putting Frylock down because of his job. That is not cool. When you're a box of fries, you are limited in what you can do. But you would think Sheila would be maybe a little bit 
more respectful of Frylock, considering, in a way, he's kind of her dad, because he built RoboSitter, RoboSitter built Sheila's parents, and also, I guess, built Sheila a brother? Who knows? But, uh, yeah, you think she would be more respectful, but don't worry, Frylock will have the last laugh in this episode. It's really not cool to make fun of somebody's job, unless maybe they're like a child pornographer or something. Then you can make fun of them, uh, preferably to the police. But definitely, uh, fuck Sheila, fuck her brother. What's their job, huh? To be robo-sitter's bitch? I mean, how is that any better? So, don't worry though, again, Frylock's gonna get the, the last laugh in our next clip. But before that, let me tell you a little bit more about Ashley Ward. Because even though I hate Sheila, I don't hate Ashley. So Ashley, her IMDb is built up. She's got a lot of credits under her belt. Most recently, she's worked on the show Hello, Jack, The Kindness Show with Jack McBrayer, who is a very, very famous actor. She plays Delivery Dolores on that show, and it's highly rated. It looks pretty good. I should check it out. And of interest to us, she was on an episode of Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell, Dave Willis's other show with Casper Kelly. So that's a little bit about Ashley. I'm surprised she didn't show up more in the show, considering her friendship with the people who worked on it. But hey, at least we got her here. So, okay, I've been telling you Frylock was going to get the last laugh. He's about to do it. RoboSitter wants her money for watching Meatwad. Frylock is going to put the money into the, like, compressor thing that, that they use to make the smoothies that they crush the meat in. So he'll put that in there. RoboSitter will go in to reach it, and then he'll close it on her, crushing her. And then he will pick up Sheila throw her in there and do the same we want our babysitting money because we're gonna get tattoos just above the crack of our robot asses <laughs> all right fine the money's in there you look like a total dork in that hat thanks a lot for sending me once again <laughs> <laughs> you're liquefied bitch hey um that was like not very cool <laughs> So there it is. He just fucking crushes them both. And coming out of the juice slot, it is like a brown liquid. I assume it's supposed to be oil. Great screams from both Sarah and Ashley. They both make me laugh. Shake is going to come back in now. He's going to be asking where the girls were because he was supposed to buy them wine coolers. Very short clip, but visually we see that RoboSitter is just basically a 2D image at this point. And she's on fire. We have our classic space ghost Hanson Flame. And Sheila is less crushed, which is strange because I feel like she really got crushed up in the machine. But she's she's in more of a 3D state on the ground. This is both out front of the Slurpo lunch, but she is also on fire as well. Where, where, are the, where are those girls? Did you give them the money already? Does it look like it? I was supposed to buy them wine coolers! Interestingly, there are new boxes of meat on the counter behind Frylock that weren't there before. I don't know if there was supposed to be some sort of time cut or or what the issue is with that. I don't know how Shake would have seen the girls because he left the Slurper lunch when Frylock was there. Then instantly, RoboSitter showed up. But Sheila showed up a bit later. So maybe Shake was talking to Sheila and that's how that was kind of arranged. I want to mention that the juicer machine is smoking at this point because Frylock didn't use it for its intended purposes. But I like the way he used it. I want to make that clear. We've got one clip left now. Let's just jump into it. We are back at the Aqua Teens house and their house is burned down. And we have Meatwad and Carl looking at the remains. Sir, it's either you definitely should not play with matches or you definitely... Sure. It's definitely one <laughs> or the other. Which one do you think it is, Carl? <laughs> so that is the end of the episode. Which one do you think it is, Carl? 
And it's strange because the Aqua Teen's house is burnt down, so we get a very clear shot of the SWAT cat's background there that we don't normally see. So it's a little strange to see that whole background there, uh, but uh, a cool sight nonetheless. Of course, I've mentioned this before, but basically the most recent episode we did on the podcast on the free feed here was the Bob Pettit interview. And in that interview, Bob and I talked about SWAT cats. And I looked it up afterwards because I wasn't sure how long SWAT cats ran for. And it ran from 1993 to 1994. It ran for two seasons or 25 episodes with one special. So absolutely, that background that was made for SWAT cats was used in way more episodes of Aqua Teen. And I'm sure has been seen by way more people in Aqua Teen. So I really have to wonder how that original artist, like how they feel about that, if they even know it was used in this other show. No idea, but, uh, you know, hey, it's a part of the Aqua Teen world, and I wouldn't have it any other way. So, again, that is the end of Robo-Sitter. The house is burnt to a crisp. You can't leave Meatwad alone. I mean, what do you expect? You're actually better off giving him pills so that he can get high so that he doesn't burn the fucking house down. Big mistake there. So, before I give you my final thoughts on this one, let's talk about what we can learn from this episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. The biggest takeaway from this episode, I think, is that sometimes the simplest option is the best option. And by that, I mean, at the beginning of the episode, Frylock wanted to pawn the TV, get the money for food, get some food, be okay until they get their check from the government, get the TV back, they would have been fine. But Frylock went with the more convoluted, oh, me and Shake need to get jobs that Shake isn't even going to do, which means we have to get somebody to watch Meatwad. So they get Carl. Well, under Carl's supervision, Meatwad, he gets high. So that's not good because they establish he's a child. So then Frylock has to create more work for himself by creating Robo Sitter. She then terrorizes Meatwad. And then Frylock has to kill her with the equipment at the, uh, at the Slurpa lunch. And then his house burns down, all because they went with this more convoluted plan. If they just kept it simple, if Frylock just pawned this TV, they would have been fine. And I, I find in life, the simplest option, a lot of the times, is the best option. Not every time, but it's worth considering. So I think that's a big takeaway from this episode, a, a good general takeaway. That is the takeaway here. My thoughts on this episode. I said at the beginning of the podcast that as a kid... I remember not being super impressed by this one. Do I still feel the same way? Hell no, I don't. I was dead wrong about this episode. I thought this one was very funny. I thought the pacing on it was great. We have, you know, Sarah Silverman, Ashley Ward. They don't show up until the back third of the episode. It's mostly about Frylock and Shake. And maybe that's why I didn't like this one so much as a kid, because I was a Meatwad stan. He's still really my favorite character, I guess. Gun to my head. Uh, but back then, I really loved Meatwad. And I think maybe that's why you don't see him as much in the episode. But yeah, man, I, I thought like the, the dialogue is great. We get to see the teens doing something different. They have to get a job here. They have to go out in public. Like I said, we don't actually see any humans in this episode, of course, because of the budget of the show. That could have been fun. It would have been fun to see Frylock interact with Ken, the uh, district manager. But still, it was fun to see Frylock and Shake outside of their normal comfort zone. It was fun to see a lot of the assets from earlier episodes show back up at the mall, like the electronics store. And we saw some, some shots of the clothing store as well. So that was really cool. 
I think Sarah Silverman, honestly, did a fantastic job. Again, I'm, I'm pretty bummed that she didn't come back because she just really jives with the, the vibe of the show. I, I, I would have loved to have seen her come back. All in all, I'm finding, because I was trying to nitpick this one as we went through it because I knew I didn't like it initially, and I couldn't really find a reason. I thought that this was a great episode, a very solid episode of season three. This one redeemed itself in my eyes. I think I gotta give it four and a half steakums out of five. I just really like this episode. There's not a whole lot I have to complain. The pacing is great. It's always moving. Dialogue is hilarious. Great moments from all the characters. Even Carl, we barely see Carl, but he has that great scene where he's just got his pants pulled down. He's watching the Pilates channel. I don't know. I can't think of anything to complain about. Let me know what you thought about this one. Remember, you can reach me on the usual places, but if you're listening on Spotify, feel free to respond to the little question here with your thoughts on RoboSitter or your thoughts uh, on something I said on the podcast. Let me know. As always, thank you for listening, for hanging out with me, talking teens with me. Thank you to all the Moon Masters over at the Patreon, keeping this thing chugging along. Thank you again, Anthony, for signing up. And a special thank you and shout out to our top tier number one in the Hood G tier patrons, Sean, Ian, Captain Buford, Robison, and Jason. You guys can have the last stakeum any day of the week. Bye-bye. What are you gonna do? Sell out to the man? Well, I'll be here, keeping it real.